So last two weeks, we started a new series titled Everyone is Busy. Uh, everyone is Busy. And basically what we did last week, or I kept saying last week, when I should be saying last meeting, um, was to diagnose the problem. For those that were not here um, in the last meeting, you can always catch up on the conversation on the podcast. Uh, maybe I should just give a... 30-second demonstration of what that looks like, at least what I would do anyways, if I want to do that. Let me share sound. So there are multiple avenues you could access the podcast. One of that Dad. is to, sorry. Daddy. What? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Joshua gave me a 15 second assignment, hopefully, not more. Don't say hello to everybody. You don't want to. Are you shy? Why are you shy? I'm not shy. So, why don't you want to say hello? I just want to leave that door. It's 15 seconds already, just and I've not figured this out. Don't tie it up again. Can't sleep. God bless you. Sorry about that. Um, one of the major platforms that you can readily get the stuff for is from Spotify, um, which is Spotify. And depending on, I already have an account with Spotify and you don't have to be on the paid version to do this. So these are some of the podcasts I access on it. So one of them again is Immersive Podcast and you can just search on their homepage and get that. Again, it's also available on my website, um, josephcolaole.org. And there's a section for podcasts and immersive podcast is just somewhere down there. It's also on Google Podcast and anywhere else, basically. So if you just Google immersive youth podcast, you would find it and be able to pick up. So the one we did last meeting is everyone is busy and it's just somewhere right there. Anyways, um, so that's, that's that about that. Just to point that if you didn't catch the conversation from where we started from, you can always go back to pick it up from there. But what we basically do did, uh, the, the tension that we were trying to lean into is the tension of the fact that we are all busy. Um, whatever that looks like for you. And we were using a resource material to help us through that. The resource material is based off of a book written by John Mark Comer. The title of the book is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And there's a series of video teachings based on that book that the man, the author, did on a Christian platform called Right Now Media. 
And that's what we're using for this um, series. And so today we're just moving on straight into week two of that series to then follow on with the conversation there. But before we do that, may I ask for those of us that were available last meeting, or maybe you only caught up on the conversation via listening to the podcast or something, what stood out for you last week so that we can just anticipate what you're going to be building on <clears throat> in today's conversation. What stood up for you, stood out for you in the last meeting, not last week, two weeks ago? What stood out for you personally in that meeting? If you're able to unmute yourself and share, that would be helpful. If you are able to just type a comment, that's also absolutely allowed. You don't have to necessarily raise your hand. You can just unmute yourself and go for it. Otherwise, I'll call your name because I know those that were there at the time. Don't wait for that person that you think will speak first. So you just speak first and then the other person will then <laughs> take it up from you. I know I saw you roll your eyes, just so you know. <laughs> well, I'll go first. Thanks, Diola. Yeah, so I, I was not fully active last in the last meeting, but I caught what some, you know, people's contributions, which was how we claim to be busy, always busy, but then what are we really busy doing? And for me, that was like a, um, an opportunity to check myself and you know reevaluate and say so when you say you're busy what exactly are you really busy doing and those things i say i'm doing are they really productive and is it possible for me to maybe let go of some things and focus on um say my work with god really because that's at times i for me do i feel like I can say I'm busy the whole day and I don't even have time to pray. Not mm. because the time is not there, but because I've squandered my time, so to say. Mm. So that was like, um, you know, a reevaluation for me. And also uh, in the meeting, that's the last meeting when people were talking, I didn't know if my, because I was unable to really listen to the um, audio. So I didn't know if my line of thought was, um, consistent with what everyone was saying, but then I'll share it today, which is um, in February or in January. So I like being busy and that's how I get productive. I can't stay doing just one thing. It's, I feel like I'm not doing anything. That's just me. But then in January, I felt like God didn't say it literally to me, but I felt like that was what he was saying, which is stop doing all these things i like i was looking for a job i won't find jobs to do and it was like what is i need to do something but then it was like just stay and don't do anything and for me at the time it felt like a wilderness experience because <laughs> it felt like so many things were not working out and mm. it felt like i was just stuck yeah. aside the fact that i didn't really get a job and so many other things like that but that was God calling me out of the unnecessary business because if I had found the job and you know committed myself to so many other things, mm. 
what God was trying to build at that time with me would not have been possible. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, so that's that's what I want to share. Thank you very much. Very, very consistent with different um, shades of thoughts that expressed itself um, at the time. I mean, in our conversation from that week and what you just said now about, for instance, where you started from, what are you busy about or what are you busy doing? Um, in the resource material itself, the man did made, um, make a distinction between business and business, that there is a sense in which you could say, for instance, that even Jesus was busy. Um, and so it was using the term on healthy business. And that's the kind of business it describes whereby you wish you have more than 24 hours because you only have 24 hours and it seems not to be enough to do all that you need to do. And so therefore you tend to want to do everything faster and cram many more things into that time frame that you have in the name of productivity, for instance. Um, yeah, that's the kind of business that is saying is unhealthy, especially when that then begins to spiral down into some of the symptoms that it described, um, especially the one that I resonate with, which is you then begin to take it out. You get easily irritable on small matters trigger you because you are maybe trying to meet the deadline, maybe, you know, trying to be productive in a manner of speaking. So yeah, thank you so much for, for that thought. Stadamola, I sense you wanted to say something before. Well, the fact that there's something called hurry sickness. <laughs> yeah. That's right, that's right. That's one of the other languages that the author used for that hurry sickness. We want to hurry to do stuff. Good. Any other person want to share what stood out from last meeting for you before we go on to today's conversation? Nobody? Okay, for me, I think what stood out amongst other things was when he, quoting his mentor, the author, quoting his mentor, that his mentor was hacked at one time. How would you describe Jesus in one word? And he said the man took a small pause and then came up with a very interesting answer, relaxed. And I thought, hmm, to describe Jesus in one word, and the only thing that could come to your mind is that Jesus was relaxed. And I started wondering, could that be said of me? If someone, if everybody here were to describe me in one word, I'm sure that relaxed wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't likely be one of the words that would come up. Um, and yeah, I think I would like to be known as that kind of a person that is not in a hurry, not just in the sense of, you know, busy, 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 but genuinely relaxed in the face of come what may because of, you know, the inner stability that one has from staying with Jesus. I think it's Isaiah 26 verse 3 that says, it keeps in perfect peace those whose heart is stayed, relaxed on him. They are just there. They, they have nowhere to go than to just continue to feast on the, on the succulence and sufficiency of the Father. All right, so that's that's kind of an overview of the different things um, that we learned last week. And today we are going on to week two. 
um, from the chat thread, I can also see Dorcas's contribution that she remembered the four ways out of the trap of busyness, and that's silence, solitude, simplicity, and slowing. Um, actually, the silence and solitude tend to go together as one point, and that's actually what today's session will be focusing on. So I'm going to share my screen in a minute and then would listen or watch the video, listen in, um, try to take notes um, as you're watching, and then we'll come back to discuss together based on what we have seen. Um, yeah, basically that, and then we, we just about it afterwards. So I'll share my screen now, and we'll go on to that. Okay. One of the, One of the first, first stories of Jesus that comes to us in the four Gospels is of him leaving civilization to go off and pray. Matthew chapter 4, right after Jesus' baptism, kind of first day, we read this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The word for wilderness in Greek is eremos, and it has a wide array of meanings. It's a bit hard to translate into English. It can be translated the wilderness, or the desert, or the deserted place, or the desolate place, or the solitary place, or the quiet place, or here's one I love, the lonely place. And most of us know this story of Jesus kind of going off to the Aramos to face down the devil at the start of his life's work. But a lot of us don't realize that he went back there on a regular basis. In Mark chapter 1, after his first day kind of back from the Aramos as a rabbi, as a teacher and miracle worker, we read this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, the word there is Aramos, where he prayed. So he goes off to the Aramos, he comes back for a day, and then he goes there again. This goes on all through the Gospels. Luke chapter 5, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, end quote. He often withdrew meaning he frequently withdrew. It was a regular thing kind of woven into the warp and woof of his daily life. In fact, in Luke's gospel, you can chart Jesus' life on two axis points. The more busy and popular and in demand Jesus became, the more he withdrew to the lonely place to pray. Often, I don't know about you, but when I get busy at work or in family or in a season of life, the first thing to go is kind of time off in the Aramos to pray. But that's what we need more of in a time of hurry or busyness or overload or stress, not less. My point here is the Aramos, the lonely place, the quiet place, was a core practice in Jesus' way of life. And these stories about Jesus kind of sneaking off into the woods or into the desert to pray are in the four biographies of Jesus for a reason. Think about it, why do we read the biography of a luminary? I'm not sure if you're a biography reader, I dabble a little bit, I read one every summer on vacation. Why, what's the motivation to read a biography about somebody who's dead or you don't even know, it's not entertainment, what is it? 
Well, most of the time, it's not just to know about them, but to become like them, to copy their successes, or sometimes to avoid their failures. We have this like internal intuition where we figure that if you want to copy the success of a great figure, a business leader or a spiritual hero or a saint, you don't just look at what they said or did, you look at the details of their life. What time do they get up in the morning? What was their daily routine like? What was their relationship to money or food? What was their relational world look like? Where did they go to school? How long? What was their reading habit like? You kind of look at all of that and then you copy the details of their life as is appropriate for your personality or gender or stage. And the odds are your kind of intuition is, hey, if I copy some of the details, maybe I'll have a similar result and follow in their footsteps. But tragically, that's not how most followers of Jesus in the West read the four gospels, which are biographies of Jesus. But the four gospels are full of stories about the details of Jesus' day-to-day -day life. Very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place to pray. And they have just as much, these details, these little stories kind of embedded in the biographies, have just as much to teach us about how to live in the kingdom of God as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus' life rhythms have come to be called the spiritual disciplines. I think a better name is the practices of Jesus. But whatever you call them, spiritual disciplines, practices of Jesus, Ruth Haley Barton calls them sacred rhythms, call them holy habits if you want, whatever. They are essentially how we follow Jesus. To follow or apprentice under Jesus means to adopt his lifestyle and copy the details of his life and weave them into the fabric of our own. If the Sermon on the Mount is what life is like in the kingdom of God, the practices are how we come to experience life in that kingdom. And this practice that we read here, or spiritual discipline, has come to be called silence and solitude. Silence is pretty self-explanatory, but there are two dimensions of silence, external and internal. External silence is when you go somewhere with no noise, no music in your headphones, no TV playing in the background or roommate playing Call of Duty down the hall or whatever. It's when you're out in nature up early in the morning or alone in the room and it's quiet. This is my Aramos. This is Forest Park right off of downtown Portland. It's beautiful, largest urban forested park in America. I come here multiple times a week just to walk on this trail behind me and kind of breathe. And there's barely ever anyone out here and there's very little noise, just me, the birds, the forest, and God. It's quiet. And quiet all by itself is a kind of spiritual discipline and a balm for emotional healing. Try it if you're new to it, trust me. Just go somewhere quiet, find somewhere like this or wherever, a park down the street from your house or just your own living room early in the morning and just sit for a while. No phone, no input, nothing. Just get up early and, and before any of that, like Jesus, just open your heart to God at the dawn of the day. But then there's not only external silence, there's internal silence. That is much harder to tackle. The endless stream of kind of internal videos that play in our mind's eye. All the kind of worries, what if this, what if that happens? Or all of the regrets, what was I thinking? Or all of the grudges that we nurse against other people, that anger and animosity that we work daily to rid our heart of. 
the fantasy kind of of a life free of pain and suffering where we are rich or beautiful or free or happy all of the time. And then just that like squirrel kind of aspect of, you know, thinking about your grocery store list or that headlight you need to fix on your car or whatever it is. Silence is when we quiet both external and internal. We come to a place deep inside our heart of what the ancients called apatheia. Not apathy, but apatheia, which meant like a calm tranquility. What St. John of the Cross called silent love, where we just stand before the love of God in love. So silence and then solitude. Solitude is pretty simple. It's when you're alone with yourself and with God. Now, to clarify, solitude is not the same thing as loneliness or isolation. Richard Foster, in Celebration of Discipline, writes, loneliness is inner emptiness, solitude is inner fulfillment. Wayne Cadero, a pastor from Hawaii, has this great little book on burnout where he writes, quote, there is a difference between isolation and solitude. They may contain similar characteristics, but in reality, they are worlds apart. Solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the first. It's not isolation. In fact, often in solitude, you feel most in contact, not only with your own soul, but with God himself and never alone at all. One of the great problems of spirituality is that people feel a sense of distance from God, a sense of absence of God's presence more than presence of God's presence, a sense of separation from God, even though at a theological level, because of Christ's death and resurrection and the coming of the Spirit, we are in Christ. There are lots of reasons for this. Some of them are under our control or at least our influence. Others are not. But one of the main reasons, I think, this is my theory, at least in the modern Western world, is that God's voice is a whisper, not a shout. And it's hard to hear it through not only the white noise of secular culture, but just the din and the drone of a modern, urban, noisy, digital world. It's hard to hear his voice kind of cut through all of that noise into our inner woman or man. One way to think about solitude is about getting away from other inputs into your mind, not just your ears, but your mind, be that human inputs, other people, audio, digital, even literary, and just kind of letting God and his voice be our input, letting his voice penetrate our mind and our imagination or kind of rise up from that subterranean floor below our soul. So silence and solitude. In silence and solitude, we decompress kind of at a neurobiological level and at a spiritual level from the noise and traffic and chaos and to-do list and nonstop stimulation of a hurry-based modern world. We slow down long enough to feel the full spectrum of human emotion. We kind of face the good and the bad and the ugly in our own heart, our desire for God, our lack of desire for God in all honesty, wonder, gratitude, contentment, joy, anger, acrimony, hurt feelings, emotional pain, insecurity, fear, all of the coping mechanisms and addictions that we've used just to make it through our day or our week. All of it is exposed, but in the safe place of God's love and presence of peace. 
in solitude, we hear the voice of God kind of cut through the din of all of the other voices, and we get his perspective, his point of view on our life, on our identity, our calling, where we're at in our journey. We come to a place of freedom in silence and solitude our successes and our failures start to lose their power over us, their their grip on our emotional well-being. In silence and solitude, we come home to ourselves and above all to our home in God. And this is a vital practice from the way of Jesus. I would argue that silence and solitude on one hand and community on the other are the two primary buckets, for lack of a better word, where most of our spiritual life happens. Henry Nouwen, that master of the way of Jesus said, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. I mean, that makes perfect sense. You can't have a relationship with anybody, your best friend, your spouse, your child, without time alone together. What would happen to your relationship with your spouse, those of you that are in a marriage, if you were never ever alone together or just a few times a year? Your relationship would wither on the vine. Your relationship to God is not that different. And if you're thinking, yeah, but I'm just too busy or I'm an extrovert or I'm kind of more of a pragmatic doer kind of person or I have little kids, the ubiquitous challenge to a lot of us, or I'm in a demanding career or I travel a lot, just stop for a minute, breathe, Get in touch with your deepest desires down there deep, lodged in the, woven into the fabric of your soul. Those desires that I'm guessing are to live with God and to become a person of love. This is vital to that. And then again, just start where you're at, not where you feel you should be. Make a plan if all you can swing is five minutes when you first wake up or 10 minutes before you climb into your bed or you put your phone in another room and you just sit and breathe and read a Psalm. Great, start there and then walk with Jesus on the spiritual journey. To end, you know, a number of years ago, Dan Rather interviewed Mother Teresa for 60 minutes. And at one point in the interview, he asked her, when you pray, what do you say to God? She thought about it for a minute and said, when I pray, I don't say anything, I listen. He was a bit thrown off and he followed up with, okay then, when you pray to God, what does he say to you? She was quiet for a minute. And then she said, he doesn't say anything, he listens. There's something to that. God is waiting for you in the quiet to speak to you and to listen in love. All right. I think we should take some seconds to breathe in and out. (laughs) After that, and then we'll have a conversation um, on what we have just seen slash heard as the case may be. Um, I know some people joined in the middle of that, some joined at the end of that, uh, hopefully from our reasoning together, they'll be able to catch up on what we are gisting about. But let's begin with the usual question. What stood out from you, for you, from what we have just watched together? 
try and link it back to the foundation that was laid two weeks ago. And then the very first suggested step to put on that. I know most of us last meeting felt like, okay, we've been diagnosed. Okay, we've been caught. Okay, we. this is us being described to ourselves. We're looking at ourselves in the mirror. And many of us had this yearning of, okay, so where do we go from, from here? What should I tweak? What should I change? What should I start doing? What should I stop doing? What should I do more of or less of? And here today we see an offering of a first suggestion. So what stood out for you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Going. It would be one of the one thing that was in about without solitude, it's impossible to have a spiritual life or rather have a relationship with God basically. Mm. Yeah. So I think that I mean, of course, as I mentioned, it's an mention things to back that up with and then it just really makes so much sense because really it's like a lot of times I feel like a lot of us the way we are just we, the way we just came to know about God is just through what is being said maybe in church or in meetings like this and then we don't even get to have our own time with him so we're just taking in all of the different things people say about which shouldn't be the case just like if you have a friend too you shouldn't just taking you shouldn't just be taking in what people are saying about them you should actually spend time with them and then you get to know them better and know things about them and stuff so really that just made so much sense brilliant well done thank you very much for that sister Dela, um i'm coming to you brother milari sister Dela, i don't know if you had the same kind of reson 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 resonance i think that's the word that i had when i heard him first of all describe solitude um, or haremos, that Greek word, starting with wilderness, which was the very word you used just like five minutes ago before then to describe what you felt like when God was like, just don't do anything. <laughs> and you felt like it was a wilderness experience that just like literally jumped out to me. I don't know if you felt the same. Yeah, yes, it did. And if I may had, um I love what he said about, I, I never saw it in that light when he said, um, when Jesus was tempted and after the temptation, he always went back there. I, I have never seen it in that light. And I also liked what he said about if the reasons why people read biographies is because they want to glean from their stories and know about like the tiny details about their lives and for me I feel like if I'm saying I'm following Jesus closely then it means that my desire really should be to know about the tiniest details about how he lived while he was here on earth That's right. and the other things I picked from this is internal silence Mm. I struggle with that mm. because something must always come up in my mind to do or to think about. And at a point, I think I, I think it was something Sister Anu sent to me, one meditation stuff. I said, I, I think so. And then I started practicing, but then I stopped. Like, no, it was even a struggle to not think about anything. And 
because if I can't quieten myself within, mm. that means that there are so many voices coming in yeah. and it will be a bit hard that if I'm not spending time with God for me to be able to say, this is what God is saying to me at this time, or this is God's voice. Mm. Those are the things I picked from the... Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. I could resonate with everything you said. Brother Milari. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Good evening, everyone. Once again. So, okay. Um, one thing that um, resonated with me from what he said was um, the fact that he said that, just like Sister Diola said, that, uh, yes, I never saw it that after the temptation, like that wilderness was a regular place that Jesus goes um, to. Another interesting thing is the fact that the more in demand Jesus was, the more he prioritized staying with God. Yeah. It, it, from last week, it's more like the reason why I'm busy is because many things are demanding for my time in the sense that, okay, you need to work, you need to catch up, you need to, I, my mind is very digitally active in the sense that it tends to want to know what is um, going on yeah digitally so the so him now saying that the more jesus was in demand because it's it's counterintuitive i don't know like if they are demanding for him he should be more available to people not necessarily decide to be more available with god but i believe that the reason why he prioritized that is because he knows that whatsoever is making him be in demand is because he's getting that thing from God. Yeah. And he recognized that being with God is what will actually fuel whatsoever it is that the people are demanding. So being able to just separate that was how this solitude was going to work. Mm. The way the way the way the way the way I saw the the, the way I saw the solitude is I I'm I'm even I'm even thinking that solitude is even I don't know for some people, it's even more difficult than silence in the sense that you can run, you can run away to somewhere to go and hide. But if your mind, if you have not learned to decompress the noise around you mm-hmm. so that you can listen or so that I can listen, mm. it's quite uh, difficult to really receive um, so much. Lastly, I like the, I, I, I was blessed by him saying that, um, choosing to be alone with God as a way of refining our soul. And that's what makes it different from, um, I've forgotten what he contrasted it to. That refining. So learning learning to listen to God has a way of nurturing, has a way of just um, refining my soul to become like Jesus. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. He made that contrast with isolation slash loneliness and, and all that. Yeah. Thank oh, you yes. very, very much. Um, everything I jotted down is just coming up here. And your sister YNK puts in the chat thread that this gives a clear definition of what quiet time should be. Uh, and that's something I was also going to pinpoint how that there are very many people, uh, maybe not. I mean, there's no statistics to justify my very many, but there are people who religiously and faithfully follow or observe the practice of quiet time. 
the way we were taught in foundation school, for instance, in my university days in the first year, we take you through all these syllabus and part of that syllabus was quiet time. Um, but even people that practice quiet time like that would still readily um, identify themselves in light of the last meeting as they are also suffering from hurry sickness. <laughs> Which then brings the question of, okay, so what is wrong in that sense? I, I think for very many people, the whole quiet time thing, whatever that looks like, has become so religious as far as I read that devotional and that Bible verse for the day and being there, done that, ticked it off, um, off for the day. It's become more like a task rather than something that is able to achieve the purpose that um, John has spelled out ever so brilliantly for us in this um, resource in the past few minutes that we've listened to him. Um, so yeah, I just I just thought that that was, that was spot on um, what Sister Inka said. It gives a clear definition of what quiet time in the real sense of it should be. Um, Sister Christie says it gives an insight on silence, being alone with God. Um, I don't know if there's any other person I want to share their takeaway before I move on to the next question that I would like us to reflect on. Any other thing that stood out for anybody? Sister Damala, you said something, I'm muted. No, no, someone said good evening, guys. So oh, no, excited. Joshua here is saying good morning. He's oh. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah. I like that he described God's voice as a whisper rather than a shout, um, which means, of course, if, if God speaks in whispers, if anybody speaks in whispers and you want to listen to the whisper, you have to first of all stop the noise whatever that might be and then lean into that to be able to hear what they are saying and i think it's that beckoning that's coming and listening that's the practices that we do that gets us to the point of listening to that whisper that the man of god is describing brother milari i saw your hand up again go on Okay, so I was, I, was, I was also going to add that. Mm. Like you just said now, the practices or the habits. Now, it's so interesting to me that um, I love to read biographies. Like, yes, I do. Now, he, the, way, the way he brought it out that it's actually the tiny details of um, people's life that actually um, explains some of the big impact that we see out there. And I love the way he, the way he now highlighted or like double clicked on the prayer life of Jesus or Jesus, Jesus's art of um, withdrawing from the crowd. Mm. That one tiny detail that's so yes, biographies and that the gospel are actually those things that actually brings us. So it now, it now, it now, it now talked my heart like, okay, I've been reading all these biographies, but I've not really double click and say, okay, the life of Jesus, I want to become like Jesus. Like, have I really truly looked at the gospels in the light of 
the biographical detail of Jesus's life, mm. or I'm, I've just been more focused on the teachings and the miracles. And so, thank you very much. So, I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, me too. Funny enough, someone asked me a question yesterday. Excuse me. <laughs> Sent me a message and listed in few names and said if I have biographies of those people, I should send it to her. So hearing that, I mean, reading that yesterday, and I'm, I'm yet to respond to the person actually, and hearing this today, I'm just, you know, making the connection again to see. Part of the thought that came to me was, why would you be interested in all these biographies? But here's the answer right there for us. And yes, I think it's not um, a mistake for God to give us the biographical details of Jesus's life from even as many as four accounts as to one account we not do. So whatever this approach or this angle that John is writing from misses, you can see some of that in Mark, you can see more in Matthew, perhaps more in Luke. And at the end of the day, you have this rounded, um, relatable and applicable picture of a Jesus that you can become like. Yeah, just thoughts to add that as well. Okay, then the, the, the question I would then like to go on to throw to us would be, what can this look like? Perhaps, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to believe that all of us are, have not been able to practice solitude and silence at all before. The times that you feel like you have actualized to some degree what is being described here, what did that look like? Especially um, in light of the reality of your business, in light of the reality of how all that you have to do. Of course, we switch between seasons and life seasons change and maybe when you were doing that, you weren't in the same season as you are in now, that's okay but still share with us and perhaps someone that is in the season that you were then will find that applicable. Or perhaps we can reason together <clears throat> on how that approach can be tweaked to suit your current season, um, as the case may be. We would like to build the cut on that. What, what can solitude and silence, practicing this internal, external silence look like? for you, for me, for us in our various contexts today. Any contribution on that? Yeah, um, for me, yeah, okay. Um, as you mentioned earlier about your religious quiet time thing, I feel like for me, it was one of the things that I just kept on like questioning, like what's, what's up with this whole quiet time thing? Why is it so armored or why is it armored in the way it is armored? Because I went to a school owned by some deeper life members, secondary school. So it was like always admiring stuff like that. But anyways, I mean, of course, growing up and of course, even like at the present moment, for me, it's, it's not just about, oh, okay, I'm now seated on my bed or my chair and then I'm now okay with my Bible and that kind of thing. That's not what it is for me anymore. It's like, I could just even be washing plates. So of course, while there is noise from the plates I'm washing, obviously, mm -hmm. It feels like I'm just in tune with God and then I'm just being able to listen to whatever it is he wants to say or just giving him giving me answers on certain things. And then, of course, I've definitely gotten answers in certain ways. Okay, so there was this time, this was like maybe 
last month. Yeah, last month or earlier this month. So I was just really sort of, okay, something, there was this, there was some that were just giving me worry because it felt like, oh, I needed to come up with an answer or find a way out of it or just make a decision like within a short time. Then I was just really getting all worked up. Like, I don't want to make a rash decision. I don't want to do anything out of just impulse and whatever. Mm. So, of course, the other people just told me that I can actually begin to write certain things down because I remember a book I read that um, Diary gave me to read. Yeah, um, better decisions, fewer regrets. So, based on that book, I, I wrote different questions. Like, I started answering, yeah, I started write, listing different questions on the thoughts that was bothering me. And then, while I was able to answer some, of course, I couldn't answer some, I just wrote the questions down either ways. And then, even after writing, it didn't seem more clear because I'm like, I've written all these questions down, but I'm still confused on what to do. And then slowly and slowly, like it just started becoming all, like the answer just kept on coming in, like, okay, there's really no pressure. There's really nothing. So it was like, of course, just being in silence, just waking up and just staring and okay. Like just, I mean, there was even recently too, I remember I was sharing it with someone, like recently, some last week here, I mean, I just woke up and then, the HP just dropped a thought in my head and then the next thing was to, of course, taking action. So it was like just being silent and just being ready to listen. So it's not a case of, oh, maybe I'm necessarily having to, because like you mentioned the case of going to nature and walking in the forest or whatever, for me, it's like, uh, that may not necessarily be the way because in the first place I hate, <laughs> I guess dressing up and going out. So it's like, uh, that's out rarely do that i'll probably rarely do that so it's like for me it's basically just waking up on my bed and just choosing not to touch my phone and just being quiet or washing plates and just talking to god or just trying to listen to whatever or just brushing my teeth and just <laughs> recounting certain scriptures i've read in the past and all of that so yeah that's brilliant thank you very much for that sister yinka yeah um I'll say some of the things I, I wanted to mention. Sister Damola has beautifully put it into words. Um, you know, in addition, I would say that um, you know, practicing silence or solitude. Can, can you say the question again? Sorry. <laughs> like, what, what would that look like for you? right right what would that look the like current context or maybe at some former stage of your life what did that look like as the case may be okay um let me let me start by saying um an experience a personal experience um at a time in nigeria when and coincidentally i've been praying to god to to help me to hear, learn to hear his voice, to, to you know, know his voice. To, like it was a desire. I wanted to, you know, I hear people say, oh, the, the, even you hear our pastors will say, oh, God said this, or maybe prophets and things like that. So, but as a Christian, you know, as a growing Christian, and I'm still growing, you know, I wanted to also know, because I know God speaks to everyone. So, I got my hands out through an experience. Um, the summary of that experience was, you know, back in Nigeria, we used to go with my church to the redemption camp, the Holy Ghost service every first Friday. So 
<clears throat> on this particular um, occasion, I was in a bus going to church to catch up with the bus that would take us to the redemption camp. And I did hear a voice say, what if you get to church and the bus has left? And in my mind, I was like, ah, God forbid, you know, things like that. You know, I wasn't late. Maybe I was, you know, about two minutes to the time of departure. So when I got to the church, guess what? The bus had come and gone. So I was really disturbed and I didn't know what to do. And I, of course, I didn't have the transport fare to actually go because the going with the church bus was, you know, free and everything like that. So I was in, I just took a, another bus. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But in the bus, I was like, ah, I wanted, I'm going to redemption camp, all of those things. You know, I was worried. I was like, well, what should I do now? Eh? These are the, I was, my mind was racing here and there. And then I heard that voice again that, how will I know what God wants me to do mm. if I am, you know, worried? Like my mind is going left and right, up and down, so that I should calm down. So I calmed down. And of course, you know, if we're familiar with the bus system generally, um, you know, they go from bus stop to bus stop to bus stop. So I took that bus. I see maybe I was going back home, but I didn't stop at the bus stop that would take me home. So I just continued, like kept riding with the bus. And true enough, when the bus got to, let me just mention destination, the bus got to my two and I felt God telling me I should come down at my two. And then I should cross the road to the other place. Um, you know, I might not be able to give pictorial definition, especially for those who don't know Lagos and Nigeria, but to cross to the other side, you know, walk with my foot cross and all those things and then to wait. And I did that and I was waiting. I guess what I saw, the bus that left our church, <laughs> that left our church and everything, I saw it coming. I just saw that the redemption come bus and to now make it all beautiful. The person by the door was a church member that recognizes me. So as I was flagging down the bus, he recognized me that, okay, that's one of us and there was space and everything. You know, it was mind blowing for me. I was like, wow, so this is how this <laughs> works and all those things. So what am I trying to say? I began to understand that, especially like that uh, video we just watched, the, that silence, that internal quietness, you know, Sister Damola was saying, you might be having noise around you, whether you're washing or anything like that. But the way to make that, um, have that room for that internal quietness, you know, not just externally, but internally to commune with God. So many people, even they have quiet time, but really their quiet time is not quiet. Like right. everywhere might be quiet. Externally, it might be quiet, but internally, there are so many things that is going on. And then the funny thing is, sometimes it happens in prayer. You want to pray, and that's when you now remember, ah, did you put pot on the fire? Oh, did you turn off the light? Oh, your mind will just be raising <laughs> and things like that. So it's like learning to actually make yourself quiet, to actually practice that silence. And I discovered that with that, you know, we grow more and more to, you know, maybe should I say similarly experience the type of um, experience that Prophet Elijah experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Elijah. 
when God told him, go there and wait. Yeah. And, you know, at the time in his life where he was running for his life, you know, and God told him, okay, go to a certain place, wait for me there. And the Bible says there was earthquake, but God wasn't there. There was wind, God wasn't there. Until he heard the still small voice, you know, in the midst of all the hustle and bustling of the news around us, technology, social media, so many things. And if you are, you know, a parent, you, you will be able to relate to it. You know, the kids, having the kids around you or worrying, I'm not really worrying, but thinking about, okay, how you settle the bills? How will you do this? How will you do that? Or academics or your exams or something like that. But in the midst of all of what seems like a noise, still learning to be still and quiet to be able to commune with God. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Beautiful, beautiful um, contributions. And that, that brought out some memories as well for me. Um, I'll put a peg on that. If there's still time, I'll share one or two. But there's a question on the chat from Sister Docas. Again, pardon my use of titles, brother, sister. And sometimes I use it for some people, sometimes I don't. So just don't mind, just ignore that part. <laughs> Um, Dorcas is asking that she heard the man say, isolation is what you crave for when you neglect solitude. And she wanted to, she wanted us to unpack that. So basically, um, especially coming up from what we described last week when it was given symptoms of, you know, when you have hurry sickness and how he mentioned amongst other things, you start getting really um, triggered or annoyed at little things. Um, because the capacity to love has been diminished by the very many things you felt you need to do. Um, and so when that happens, rather than actually coming down to this beautifully described practice of solitude and silence, what people then tend to think that they need is, I just need to get these people out of my life. I just need to push these guys away. I just need to send Joshua to go upstairs and lock himself in this room and because I mean, it's just all over me here. I just need to get out of the house and go and take a walk or whatever. And that wouldn't necessarily fix, that, that can give you a pseudo feeling, sorry for mentioning your name. That can give a pseudo feeling um, of addressing the issue when in fact you are not addressing anything. Yes, you are now in isolation, but the internal noise lingers even when the seeming external noise has died down. Whereas it's, some people could argue that you can't have solitude without silence, without external silence, but I think it's even possible for you to have solitude in the midst of what might seem like noise in the environment. I mean, just like Sister Damola was talking about washing plates, it's not exactly the most quiet thing to do. Doing laundry is not necessarily a quiet exercise. But one thing, it's not mom. One thing about Christianity, one thing about becoming all of these things, this journey of becoming like Jesus, is just like every other thing, it's, there is the place of practice that makes perfect in a manner of speaking. There's a place of exercise. There's a place of getting it right and missing it. And if you are able to consistently stay at what you are trying to do to get the result you are hoping to get, 
you're training yourself. The same way some people can read and assimilate in a noisy environment and some people can just not dare to do that. I believe it's possible for you to hear God in the midst of what seemed like bubbling noise all over the place. Because deep down, your mind is stayed on him. Deep down, your mind is tabernacled um, on the father. I'm just looking at the time and discovered where has the time gone? Um, so yeah, basically, um, that's that's what I think um, the, the man is saying when he say, isolation is what you crave for when you neglect solitude. Because you have neglected what is able to replenish your tank with the capacity to love. You tend to think that if you can just shut the voices away, whatever that looks like, it will address the issue. Now you are isolated. Now you are lonely. Now you are alone. But being alone doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be alone without the noise still going on within. What you need is not isolation. What you need is solitude. What you need is anything that would help you to lean into the ever-present presence of the Father who is able to fill you with what you lack. Um, so I think that's, that's the spirit behind the gist. Unfortunately, I think actually the person that asked might have logged off. Oh yeah, she's back on. Okay, that's good. Um, as we begin to land this conversation, um, I don't know if there's anyone that wants to share anything, please feel free to interrupt me to do that. Okay, Sister Diola, go on. Thank you. I, I loved how you said practice makes perfect because I struggle with consistency. Mm. <laughs> and um, I think for me, answering the question of why makes it easier for me. So when my why is not going back to what the man said, it's, it's for Jesus, it was not about how to do more miracles the next day. It was about being with God. Yeah, yeah. So when my why becomes, I just want to be with you. It's not because of the goodies I would get from you. It's not because of the gifts. Like, I just want to be with you. So when that becomes my why and when it you know stays with me when i live in that consciousness i think it's for me it would have it would have a positive um what's the word now effect so to say on wanting to quieten my spirit or my heart or my mind and just to stay on him yeah, yeah. thank you very much that's super helpful um as we land the conversation, there is for every session like this, there are something called there's something called session goals uh, as part of the study guide for the video series that we've just um, seen. And the session goals basically are just like four things to keep in mind as you go away from the conversation. And I'll just mention them for us to also keep in mind. The first is the main idea. Um, okay, Dylan, before I go over the session goes, Dylan, unmute yourself and go for it. Hello. Hi. So I just want to say something about solitude. Mm. And I think that solitude is basically just living a balanced and healthy life. Mm. 
I think about it, um, it's just that Jesus, he would service others and spread the word of God. Mm-hmm. And then he would spend time alone by himself. Yeah. So that's what I think. Brilliant. Yeah, basically that's what it is. It's living a healthy life. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dylan. That reminded me of my years in Abafemiolo University, that's in Nigeria. And how I'm able to do something that looks close to what this man is describing. I mean, OAU is a very busy university institution, but the joy of waking up at 4 a.m. and going to your hostel's basketball courts when it's still all quiet or going even further than that and taking a walk to sports complex and finding all sorts of voices around you, scabashing and praying in tongues, and you are also just there still yearning, but ready to just tell your father, I've lifted, I've roused myself off my bed to come and be with you. That's beautiful. But that's absolutely impracticable <laughs> in my current context. Um, so what, what, what can this solitude thing look, look like? For me, for instance, this often looks like just telling my wife, I want to go and buy the things that we need in the house. I want to go and do the family shopping. <laughs> Not because I love shopping, but because the walk from the house to the shop and back is going to be very, very resourceful and helpful for me. Um, especially the walk too. Sometimes when you are finished shopping, you can't walk back. You have to take a taxi if you're not driving like me. So I, I enjoy that long walk to the shop and use that time, um, take the route that will take me through the beautiful park in our area down to the shop and use that time to just lean into whatever is hop with God. And I also wanted to share a tip with regards to this noise we feel around, especially the internal noise. When you find yourself doing that, this, and of course, I might say it and it sounds simple to do, but again, this comes with practice. What I do when I find myself wandering in thoughts is I bring Jesus into that wandering. And so as I'm thinking of the other things that I shouldn't be thinking about in the time when I'm supposed to be leaning into God's presence, I turn it into an opportunity to talk to God about those things. And so when I catch myself, you won't know until you catch yourself. Oh, I'm, I'm, my mind is wandering again. Other than just try to just say, okay, let me leave that wandering there and try to turn. No, I bring Jesus into that wandering. Okay, this thing that I was thinking about that is distracting me. Let me make it an opportunity to talk to you about it. Um, I, I was going to give a tip that my wife does, but I think she's able to speak for herself if she wants to. I know there are some things she does as well in the midst of our busyness that even me, I'm still striving and asking God for grace to get to that level. Keep rolling your eyes. <laughs> to be able to, to, to be with God like that, she challenges me. Anyways, um, Henry, if you're able to speak, I can see your hand up. And then after that, if Anna wants to say anything, and then I'll share the session goes and we'll pray and wrap up. Henry. Okay, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> I mean, not, just, not to duplicate what everyone else said, because for me, I feel like one thing I, I relate more to would be the works and um, mm-hmm. 
sometimes and most times would be time in the shower because I don't know for some reason it's like <laughs> you get some tell kind them, of tell them, tell them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was gonna ask like uh, so in the act of solitude would that be an easy way on a hard way or is it a case of like the more harder it is the better it is because why I say that is I feel like at some point in my life um sometimes if I have a very complex things I just sleep and sometimes you get the result in your dreams. It, it sounds very easy, like obviously, like everyone likes to sleep and all that. So, but I don't know if it's kind of like a fluke or kind of like I don't know what people think about that. Hmm. I'm happy to take thoughts on that from anyone. Um, the quick thought that came to my mind is to say it doesn't have to be hard, really. Um, but the man did say something that you start from where you are and what is practicable to you, and then you work with Jesus. In other words. Sometimes it beckons on us to take this the extra mile. There's a word he used in the video that is sounding like apathy, but it's apathia. Uh, the, the story behind that is if any of you know anybody that is a monk or a nun, or we call them fathers and mothers or sisters rather, all those people that just stay in a monastery, uh, trying to use all of their lives, never thinking of getting married and all that, to stay on God and serve God. That practice started when some people back in the early church, and when I say early church, I'm not talking of the first century church, when the first few centuries of the church, when they began to do this thing called apathia. And what that looked like for many of them actually is they go into the wilderness, not even just wilderness, into the desert. Um, there is one of them, uh, many of these was happening in Northern Africa, Egypt and the surroundings. There's one of them that uh, a book is written about. His name is St. Anthony. And you can Google that and read about St. Anthony the Great or St. Anthony of Egypt. There are many titles that it goes by. An uneducated man, but who withdrew himself into the desert um, in the pursuit of apathia. Um, and that became a thing for very many centuries. That's where the whole monk thing, monkry thing began or started from that would then become uh, a practice that would go on popularized by the Catholic church and all that. This man would go into the desert to literally fight demons. And you know, when you hear the kind of demons he was dealing with and the kind of stories that comes with that kind of a ministry, the signs and wonders that he did in his life, the many people that he tutored in ministry without being able to read, wow. all at the backside of the desert. I mean, it's an incredible story that St. Athanasius preserved for us in the biography of the life of St. Anthony. And there are many other people that then follow the suits of or the footsteps of St. Anthony to do that. And that's still a practice that is going on today. But the point is, should solitude look like that for everybody? I don't have to leave August Road to go into some cave somewhere in the backside of Liverpool to be with God. Um, if that is what it looks like in your context, if that's what Jesus is beckoning on you to do, please go for it by all means. But difficulty doesn't mean spirituality. At the end of the day, it is, he wants to meet us where we are and lead us on to where we should be. And that would be my thoughts on, on that. Um, yes, Damilari, that's one of the Desert Fathers, one of the very first Desert Fathers, that's very correct. Um, yeah. 
and Sister Wayne says, bathroom and toilet times are solitude times, especially as a parent. I totally agree. Let me tell my wife that when I spend 30 minutes in the toilet, she should not be worried. <laughs> and she should I'm sorry. Worried. Uh, no, 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 not totally true. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes some of these our daddies, they could be spending time on their phone. So I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but can I say something in response sure, to what okay. the, um, the last person just asked? Yeah, I would say, um, I, I, yeah, like you said, there is there is no right or wrong way. Um, for some of us, we might not necessarily have a quote and unquote like a desert place to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so for some of us, that desert place just means like the basketball court you mentioned in OAU. I've heard of that place. Even I didn't school in OAU, but I really heard of that place. I can imagine the number of prayers that I've soaked up in that mm-hmm. in that court. Um, so, but that desert um, experience or that's going away to a quiet place, you know, it might not mean a physical cave, but at, at the same time, it may take a bit of physical effort. Um, like we we've established that sometimes it it it's you can still experience that silence and solitude in the midst of noise and and um business around you but at times as well it may take you to take advantage of periods or seasons that are actually quiet you know and mostly that is the period of the night or early hours of the morning yeah. And that means you're taking that conscious effort, making that sacrifice. Either if, if that means um, waking up in the middle of the night or waking up very early before the day gets busy, yeah. like every other person, you know, takes advantage of that day. So it, that, it might mean doing that, um, making that extra mile, going that extra mile, yeah. you know, maybe that is the time you actually because one thing is this god really does meet us where we are he understands if you're a student he understands he does understand but at the same time that doesn't mean we'll just um take advantage of that okay god understands god understands i need to sleep god understands you know there is that place of also making the sacrifice on our own self and uh I, I would say Jesus, I think that's part of what Jesus Christ was telling the three disciples. It took with him to mm-hmm. be alone with himself at the point in time. And then he came back to tell them, can't you just watch with me for one hour? Wow. You know. So for each and every one of us, it may be something different. Waking up for one hour, 30 minutes, two hours or four hours, depending, you know, uh, to whom what much is given, much is expected. Wow. So uh, let me just stop there. Thank you very much. I'm looking at the time. <clears throat> Ideally, we're supposed to finish in three minutes, but I would still gladly want to take all the contributions that way have pending um damilari you raised your hand and drew drew it back is that to say what you wanted to say i've been said yes in a way what else she has just hit the bull's eye that's um why mm-hmm. <laughs> like have you mommy why <laughs> yeah. okay uh, much. um yeah. i know any thoughts before we 
Uh, I can't, can't remember the, the things I do, but I, I, I know from everything we say, it's very spot on. But, but the most important part is the consistency. Mm-hmm. Like all these things, yeah. The way the devil would cheat, would cheat us out of the things we've heard today is to just flip it outside as a bear God understands and things like that. Just like um well, mommy YMK said, mm. you say, Oh, I can still sleep, God, God understands. But the thing is, from everything we've all said, or Brother said and Adiola and Stawayanke is that when and even uh, uh, Dr. Henry, if what if it's what God is laying on your heart to do, if you if you fail to do it at the time he's asking you to do it. You lose that. You lose out of that that opportunity, and you find you find yourself wondering. Say, for example, um, Kola traveled last year to Nigeria. The traveling was supposed to just be a few weeks. I thought I was a mantra woman, and I've got everything sorted. Uh, then flight got delayed. Husband caught COVID, and I am there with two boys and stuff. I've known all this while. I'm a believer. I'm, I, I'm very. I know God is faithful, and I'm loyal to Him. But it was in that transition process that I actually got to rely on Him totally, like literally, like He would say, "I will get up. I will get up." But now that obviously, color travel 2021. This is 2022. If God wakes me up tonight, I say, "I will get up." I'll be like, "Eh." It's not 3 a.m. yet. Just give me a few more time. The, the, the thing is, and what I'm trying to say is that it brings opportunities away that makes that, that, that to help us be in tune, in tune with him. But then when we lose out of acting on them, we lose out on like lots of other, lots of different things. Recently, what he's been teaching me to do is that he would say, very funny, but I'll say here, he would say, I should make a cup of tea from Joshua and Danik. I'll take it upstairs to them. Then you start to make a cup of green tea, very specific green tea to myself. Go to the backyard, our garden, back garden, and look to the sky and sip it. It seems foolish, isn't it? Very illogical. Like, why would God want me to be sipping green tea when I could be um, preparing Joshua's bag and be shouting for people to get ready for school and things? But what I've noticed is those those moments, especially when you're in a busy household, like with children or you have things to do, they kind of, they help you, they help to refocus. And somehow, God is a very good mental health practitioner. We don't know, actually. He, he sets us up in a very good way. Like all these things are contributing to our overall well-being. But the more we disobey, the more the devil cheats us out of our overall um, thingy, and then we don't do what we'll do. So that's what I thought to share. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you very much. Brother uh, Larry was asking that are all these things said in the video also included in the book? Absolutely. Of course, when you talk, there are some things that come forth that don't sound the same way it is articulated in writing. But very many of the words are literally like word for word from some chapters um, in the book. So yes, do well too. I've been digging in myself and enjoying the book alongside the study. Um, that said, I'll just tie up together by again going over the session goals. The main idea for this session is to practice silence and solitude, especially when we are busy. <laughs> Remember that one of the things that was said is that the more busy we get, or the busier we get, the more the need for this solitude that we're talking about. And that's something I need to hear. Um, 
the head change, in other words, what we are hoping that will change at the level of your thinking by going through this study, this particular session, is to know that the busier we are, the more we need to withdraw to be with God, just what I've just said. And then the change that we are hoping will happen in your heart is that you should begin to feel a desire to spend uninterrupted, quiet time with God, no matter how busy we are. And that's why we've asked, what should that look like? What can that look like? Um, and at the end of it all, we're hoping that each of us that have been here today would incorporate the practice of intentional withdrawal into our weekly routine. So say you don't even find something that you can do consistently on a daily basis. Can you incorporate something that you can do on a weekly basis? Um, and start from there and stick with it. Um, of course, when we meet in two weeks, then the conversation will be taken even further down that line for us to further see um, another approach to this from the life of Jesus and how that can become our story as well. And that's where we're going to draw the curtains for this week. Everyone is busy, yes, but can we, in the midst of our busyness, be as relaxed as Jesus? Again, the answer is yes. But are we going to be? Now that's left to us to answer. And my prayer is that God will help us. God will help me with my busyness to see the need for even more intentionality to set aside those times, to create those times, to schedule those times if you have to um, into your routine per day, per week, per season, as the case may be. The Lord bless our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Sister Ife says, apologies, a quick run on the four goals again. I'll just copy and paste into the chat thread. I want to believe that after every session, um, the, what's it called? Zoom will give you a copy of your of the transcript of the text. So, but if you need it after now, you can just reach out to me. I've pasted it um, into the chat thread for the four of them. All right, let's pray. And I want us to actually put a bit of this into practice. Don't stay forever. We won't even be on forever. So if we want to spend a minute or two in prayers, but attempt to achieve an inner silence see you get to the point where you can almost visualize that jesus is right there <laughs> with you and then think back to what you've heard and say something to him about what you want maybe something you want him to help you with maybe i don't know let me not put the words in your mouth but shut out all the other thoughts the baby the assignment, the, whatever it is, shut those voices down and see the one that has, he has been there all along and then talk to him in just a few seconds, um, whatever you want to say to him about what you've had. And I'll come back in one minute and wrap us up in prayers.
let's begin to bring our conversation to a pause. <coughs> I intentionally didn't say to a close because I hope that you pick it up anytime after now. Sweet Jesus, we are grateful. Thank you for revealing yourself to us again from different perspectives and in different ways. I don't know how he came across to you, but when I visualized him, I visualized him stepping out literally from the pile of Bibles here beside me to actually have that conversation. We're just grateful that we get to know you more. We get to see you more. We get to love you more. And we're asking that you help us to be able to intentionally do that <clears throat> even more. A scripture that you've made recurrent in our conversation today is Isaiah 26 verse 3 that you will keep in perfect peace, in perfect shalom, in perfect wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. Those whose mind, whose heart, whose life stayed on thee. So we ask, oh God, that you be with us and help us to keep our minds rooted, grounded, established, in the knowledge of you, in intimacy with you. And we thank you. We receive the dividends of that in increasing measures as we consistently put into practice what we have heard and learned together today. We pray for those in need of your touch of healing and restoration that you touch us. And for those of us in need of answer and wisdom that you touch us, that we may know what to do or how to respond or how to wisely manage that situation, all to the praise of your glory. And we thank you. In the authority of Jesus and in the name above all names, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us yet again. Um, we'll see in two weeks from now. Um, and we look forward to having yet another wonderful time together. Until then, I love one another. Thank you. Greet, uh, greet thank anyone you want to greet. Sister you. see you. Sister Eve. Thank you, Sister Inka. Evening. Thank you very much for this lesson. For Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. Evening praise. Yeah, praise. It's been a while. Good to see you. Oh, see you. Hi, fam. Hello, fam. <laughs> Good to see everybody again. Hi. Good. Have a lovely. Uh, I missed some parts. So I'll watch the video. No problem. Mm. Uh, okay. <laughs> see you next uh, two weeks. <laughs> I'd see you. Thanks, everyone. God bless you. Have a beautiful you weekend. Bye. Thanks, Dylan. God bless. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.